guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, the Athletics' Nate Tice joins me to break down his thoughts on the rookie quarterback class of 2021, what they did right, what they did wrong, and what they have to do to take a step forward in 2022. But first, wanted to quickly tell you about another podcast. Three times a week, the Right Time with Bomani Jones podcast brings you the latest from technology and music plus the very best analysis of the games we're all watching, plus a community of guests which will feel like your closest friends in no time. That's the right time with Mamani Jones, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays with Dominique Foxworth for Foxworth Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, and Wednesday and Friday episodes are also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Now, here's Nate Tice breaking down the 2021 rookie class of quarterbacks. All right, joining me now, here is promised, the renaissance man a football twitter we could be talking about soccer we could be talking about aw most of the time that is what we talk about privately but today we are discussing what he wrote about the class of 2021 and six quarterbacks who played last year good news a lot of the guys got rest. the bad news they weren't all that good so talking to us about what happened what went right and wrong for these six passers from the class of 2021 is my friend from the athletic nate tice nate What's up? Uh, not much. I know I volunteered to write a second year QB article. And I think when people usually do that, it's not so bad. It's three quarterbacks, two, yeah, maybe, maybe one. I had six, six. <laughs> six. And I, I, uh, we talked about the pre-show. My editor loved it. Loved <laughs> that. I got to talk about six quarterbacks, about a thousand words a pop. So we had to, uh, we had to, we had to shave it down, but no, it was, it was a, it was really fun reviewing these guys and, you know, after watching the, uh, the 2022, uh, uh, incoming rookie mm-hmm. class quarterback class, maybe kind of appreciate these guys a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Contextualizing it. I yes. mean, certainly, uh, you know, it's not exactly the class of what 2010 or 2011 when it was Russ Wilson and Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin as a rookie, it wasn't always pretty, but certainly I, I think there's some interesting stuff to see here. And I think sort of, you know, trying to pick out what was positive about these guys in the middle of frustrating rookie years. And I think the obvious example of that, maybe to a fault for me, is Trevor Lawrence, where I I sort of fear that I'm doing the Sam Darnold thing where, like, people pick out the one really good player and they're like, oh, this is what he's going to be like all the time. And I just think about that one pass to the back of the end zone where he threw it right over uh, a guy in zone. Um, I forget who it was against, but it, you know, it, it, is it was, that was the play? I think it was the Falcons, maybe. You, yeah, you know the play. Don't pretend that you're. <laughs> I watch watch way too much Urban Meyer Jaguars. I I'm I'm ready to uh, tear my eyeballs out. <laughs> the well, fact that I can recall some of these drives, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, this is not a good thing. This is like watching schlocky horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's start with that. Let's start with the Urban Meyer offense. I know certainly we're going to talk about other quarterbacks where. Uh, it was sort of public knowledge, common knowledge that the scheme was holding them back. I know. I noticed you mentioned this in your piece for the Athletic, and, and I certainly saw it when I've watched uh, Trevor Lawrence's past year as well. This just felt like the offense where I don't know if the rules were being taught improperly or receivers were not following the rules, but there was just so many times I would watch that offense and receivers would run routes to the wrong length or guys would be cutting off routes at the wrong time. It just felt like they had never played together before they would get on the field on Sunday. Yeah, and that that I can confirm it, or I saw the same things as well. It was 
it was frustrating. It, it's when you watch it, it was already hard enough because they the Jaguars faced some offensive line leakiness, like, you know, as far as injuries and also lack of talent. So it was already hard enough on Trevor Lawrence as it is. But the receiving talent, even just before execution, just the personnel was God awful. <laughs> you know, you have five <laughs> foot eight Tavon Austin, the play you're talking about, the back line, they're throwing back line routes in the end zone to a five foot eight receiver. Um, you have Laquan Treadwell running go routes. Laquan Treadwell ran like a four, six, five coming out as a rookie and he's not getting faster. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you have Levinska Chenault, who I do think can be a, a good role player in this league. He's running like intricate option routes and they're having to use him like a true receiver when he's more like a glorified gadget guy and just yeah and on top of that so that's just personnel and usage of personnel on top of it you have execution like you brought up there were plays uh at one play circled on it uh against the dolphins in london and marvin jones who i liked marvin jones when he was with cincinnati i like marvin jones when he was with detroit I don't know what happened to Marvin Jones this year. Mm. Marvin Jones, like, forgot how to play football. Like, he – and I think some of that is in the situation with Urban Meyer. Mm -hmm. And also, but it's – you know, you have to be a pro. And why why it's so disappointing was when you run a route concept, it's usually it's four to six yards, about 12 Mm -hmm. to 14 yards, about 18 to 20 yards, like the three depths of Mm -hmm. the routes. And that ties in with three-step drop uh, drop back for the quarterback, five-step drop back, seven-step drop back. Mm -hmm. And – there's so many times where Marvin Jones is breaking a route at, at seven or eight yards. There's no routes that are broken at that, at that depth. Mm-hmm. And so what, what that does is makes everything very condensed. Mm-hmm. It makes every, every, oh, you'll have two players right next to each other without you not know, putting any strain on the defense. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of times where you can see Trevor Lawrence going like, that doesn't look how it should look. Eh, <laughs> screw it. I'm going to whip this ball in there. And that's what made me appreciate Trevor more was at first glance. You're like, Ooh, man, that's, that's a tight throw. Why do you throw that in there? And then you watch it. And you're like, Oh, the receiver's four yards short. And there's another, if you look to the other side, the check down's not getting out. So it was like playing on expert mode as a rookie when you would hope these veterans would make it easier for him. So it made me appreciate Trevor Lawrence a little bit more. And we can talk about some of the flash plays as well, but just as far as execution from that Jaguars offense, it was brutal. I mean, brutal, brutal, brutal. And and I mean, how, how difficult is it for Trevor Lawrence uh, within the context of that offense? Even if he's going to say, ah, screw it, I'm going to throw this. Like how difficult is it to actually function and trust that, you know, what what you're expecting to see, not just from the defense, but then even from your own offense actually plays out post snap. Yeah. And trust that's trust is a great way to put it, because that we have a misconception that the quarterbacks can see exactly what they're throwing to. That's why having routes at a specific depth, a specific timing. I'll talk about timing a lot in that article and just in general, I'm talking about quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me excited about Trevor, because it showed he showed me that he has great timing. He understands exactly what he wants to do. He goes, he has no extra footwork in his dropbacks. He doesn't have no fat is what I like to say. There's not a lot of extra movement. It's one, two, three, that ball's out. And why you have to do that is you're trusting to throw to a spot that you expect this guy to be. If you watch soccer, I know you do bill, but they're passing to an area. You're passing to the open space. You're not passing to where the guy is right, right there, then and there. So when a receiver is running a short route or there's two guys running into each other or a receiver is running a wrong route, which happens as well, 
okay, Trevor's expecting someone to be there or thinks that someone's going to open up into this space that's created by a different route. Mm -hmm. So when you have a guy running short, all of a sudden it's like Trevor would make a guy's right, which is a a skill that you want to see with these quarterbacks. The other example, I I, I brought it up. uh, We were talking with uh, Hugh, must not not be named, um, (laughs) uh, Bobby Mayo. And (laughs) when I was talking with him was there's a play against uh, the Titans, the running mesh, which is two crossers and a route behind it. The, the mesh runners, the crossing routes run into each other and they're at like one yard. That's supposed to be about three, four, five yards. And then the sit down route that's supposed to be at 10 to 12 was at seven. And Trevor still completed the ball to the sit down route. And it, it was those things of making a player right, making his teammates right, that you want to see these quarterbacks do. If Trevor went start clutching it and going, oh, shoot, what the hell, what the hell, and takes a sack, then I'd been like, eh. Okay, that's a little scary, but the mm-hmm. fact that it was so bad and Trevor Trevor Lawrence was still making plays right, even if the mm-hmm. stats weren't there, it was that was the encouraging signs to see. Yeah, I think absolutely, and, and I think the numbers were not good. I mean, more interceptions. <laughs> they were not good. <laughs> uh, for all these guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, negative five five point four percent CPOE, which is yeah. completion percentage over expectation, given where guys were. Uh, I I mean, you know, certainly it feels like it was not the best season from Trevor Lawrence, but. Let me ask you, from what you saw and what your perception was of Trevor Lawrence coming into the NFL, how different do you feel about him after the first season versus what you expected coming out of Clemson? I'm going to be a very bold man here and say that the generational quarterback, that those number one pick is still going to be pretty good. (laughs) Um, He, I, I, what, what surprised me with Trevor, I would say surprised, pleasant. Uh, I would say pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. is his polish and understanding of concepts of of NFL plays. The Clemson offense is extremely basic. It, it mm-hmm. was, it has been his, the entire time that Dabo Sweeney's been there. It doesn't matter who the coordinator is. They run like five plays and they just win with speed. Like that is that's they have an awesome quarterback and then they have really good receivers. How many Clemson offensive linemen have you seen? There's like none in the league right, right now. They know how to, and then on defense, they just get a bunch of pass rushers and a bunch of corners. They just get these crazy recruits at those positions. So it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. Football's easy. They just get really <laughs> good players. I mean, I, I mean, my dad made a living just, oh, throw it up to number 84. It's great. <laughs> uh, um, but so when I watched that Clemson offense, I was like, okay, I think he understands what's going on. His timing's really good. I think he's handling some protection stuff. Okay, that was cool. But mm-hmm. oh man, look how twitchy he is. Look at him driving those throws. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets into the league, into the NFL, how polished he is mentally and how advanced his footwork is, how advanced his pocket movement is. I mean, hit the fact that he was in the top 10 sack percentage, like he was ninth, I believe, above Aaron Rodgers and how many sacks, sack percentage he took. That's that's notable. That's very notable, especially with what that offensive line was and no one getting open at receiver wise. He could have easily taken 50 sacks. Mm-hmm. Like if, if this was just some statue or some guy that didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he had this amazing pocket movement and, and knew when to uh, knew when to get rid of the ball, knew mm-hmm. where to go with the ball. He was handling protections as a rookie. That was a real pleasant surprise. But then there's also the flip side, I would say maybe a negative or maybe something I did have a question mark on that I maybe confirmed was his deep ball isn't great. I would say it's just, it's okay. Like he can do it. He throws, I mean, it's not like he has a bad arm. He has a very good arm. It's just that deep ball kind of is a line drivey throw. It's not that beautiful moon ball. That is just nitpicking on him. But really I feel 
even a little bit better after watching him, even if he did have an underwhelming statistical season, Mm -hmm. but how he played was a very advanced game for such a young age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, In in terms of now Doug Peterson coming in, we can certainly poke some holes in how much they spent to improve things around Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Don't get get Jaguars Twitter mad at you. They'll ruin your life. Sadly, Sadly, I've been through it. Uh, <laughs> Have you? Blake Blake Bortles. Uh, oh, were you? Turns a... out, turns out maybe I was a little skeptical of Blake Bortles. And uh, why, Bill? Why? <laughs> Sadly, I watched Blake Bortles, and then I watched all the other quarterbacks in the NFL, and I was like, hmm, th- this guy's really good at throwing it up to Allen Robinson and having Allen Robinson catch 50-50 balls. Everything else seems like it's kind of a problem. But uh, what do I know? I remember they they because. Bortles, it was the weirdest thing. He like never threw a spiral, which isn't damning. Like guys don't throw spirals all the time. Sure. And I remember when I brought that up to somebody, they're like, well, Pete Manning doesn't throw a spiral. Mm. And I was like, well, young Pete Manning threw a spiral. <laughs> 40, like 37 year old post neck surgery, Pete Manning doesn't throw a spiral. But it was, it was like, that's, that's who you went to when I brought that up was Pete Manning. And yeah. So, uh, but that yeah, I think you're you're on the right side of history there, Bill. It would be like if my doctor was like, "Oh, you should you should work out more. You should lift weights." And I'm like, "Well, Kevin Durant doesn't." Work out <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael I, Jordan only sleeps two hours a night. Yeah, like, so not I, really, not really the same thing. Um, yeah, I I mean it, it's uh it, certainly I feel like we can take issue with the contracts, but at the end of the day, there's more talent around Trevor Lawrence in 2022 than there was in 2021. And that includes the coaching staff, Doug Peterson. I mean, just a, I wrote a safe pair of hands, you know, a, a guy who yes. is going to be professional, um, has experience in the league, has experience with young quarterbacks yeah. and has been successful getting yeah. the most out of quarterbacks. It's so like Nate, the Matt Seidel of coaches. Yes. He's a, and, he's a good hand in the ring. <laughs> thank you. Very, very solid, very competent, maybe not super exciting, but yeah, Take it. So for Trevor Lawrence in 2022, obviously you're hoping the offense just looks more competent, looks more in rhythm, uh, that people are running the right routes. But from Trevor Lawrence's perspective, is there something you want to see from him next year that would qualify as exciting growth in year two? Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, that, that, that's what's it's weird is that most times with these young guys, you want them to be more aggressive or more mm-hmm. safe. And what's so funny is there's Trevor already showed the ability to kind of like turn that dial. Yep. Um, really, uh, I would say the one blemish, not blemish, but it's, is it a bug or a feature sure. is how quickly he got through going from one to two to three, got through his progressions, maybe taking a chill pill and, and, <laughs> and, and maybe just going, maybe go one Mississippi two Mississippi, as opposed to one apple, I guess that's, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe just give, give the extra hair, but I want to also, that's because of the circumstances around him. Was that just because of him going like, I know my left heart's getting beat. So <laughs> I know I have to, <laughs> I have to get rid of this ball. So maybe a little bit of that. I, man, I really like how many times he used his legs. Like he would, he was an aggressive, he know that kind of controlled aggression as a scrambler. There's uh, there's a couple other guys I'll talk about today um, that have this or don't have that. And like, that's something that I it kind of frustrated, frustrated me with about Dak Prescott last year was sometimes it was like, you don't have to be a perfect robot. Just go scramble and get the first yeah. down. Like that is needed sometimes. And Trevor already has shown that. So that's actually I know we're talking supposed to talk about rooms for improvement, but it's kind of cool that he's already shown that ability as well. But yeah, I would say sometimes maybe just 
take a deep breath and you don't have to be so quick. But I also, if I were his coach, I wouldn't want to speak out both sides of my mouth because that's what you want the guy to do <laughs> in the end game. So it's almost that way he's at step three, but maybe get to step two before he gets to step three, maybe take a step back so you can take a step forward. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code eight save. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, let's move on to the number two pick. Let's go on to Zach Wilson here. Um, I mentioned Trevor Lawrence's negative 5.4% completion percentage over expectation well he was the second worst quarterback yeah. in football with 100 pass attempts last year the worst was zach wilson who was negative 10.3 percent below expectation yeah. absolutely a huge outlier when it comes to his completion percentage in 2021 now part of that can be drops part of that can be little things here or there but from your perspective nate what did you think of zach wilson's accuracy were there issues that led him to complete fewer passes than maybe he should have in the Jets offense in 2021. Yeah, his the stats were pretty startling with a lot of these guys, but Zach Wilson's stats were like, oof. <laughs> like his adjusted net yards per attempt was at 3.86, like oof. which is I know oh below 4 is below 5 is scary. Below yeah. 4 is on a whole another level, but um with Wilson the Bucks game is the best game to watch of him. That's the one I thought that he had the most competency around him. And even if his receivers were banged up and also just the defense he went against, like you kind of got to see him go against a decent defense, even if they were banged up in that game mm -hmm. with Wilson, a lot of his accuracy sprays I found out were tied into his eyes. And, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that, just talking about, about Trevor Lawrence going one to two to three very quickly. He has great eyes. That's what mm -hmm. I want to emphasize again, that Trevor Lawrence could be pretty good uh, is that, with Wilson is you can see him not trust a lot of plays and not uh, maybe have a, I don't want to say competency, but maybe in a true understanding of what's being called. And I think some of that is tied into what he came from at BYU and BYU had a fun offense, but they didn't run a lot. They only ran like okay. five. They majored in like five plays, which is mm -hmm. fine. It's college offense. Sure. Um, but going from that to, a Shanahan LaFleur offense, which is very wordy, which is very, uh, you know, can very make you think because you're, they're moving guys around. They're making, they're 
even if the play that they run isn't crazy, mm-hmm. how they get there can be a lot different verbiage than, than, you know, going from play one to play two. Right. And why I'm saying all this is because when his eyes would get bad, his feet would get bad. Mm-hmm. So when his eyes were going left to right, cause he's guessing on where he should go, he's overthinking what the defense is showing him. Mm-hmm. Then his feet would get late. And then when quarterbacks feet get late, Paul Chris, the head coach of Wisconsin, he was the offense coordinator when I was at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. He would always say, listen to your feet, because when you listen to your feet, that's telling you, you go to one to two to check down. Mm-hmm. And there'd be times where Zach Wilson would drop his feet. would kind of get all scattered because he'd come late to his second option. And then he would try going to throw in. And whenever you try to gun a throw in, like really rip one in, sometimes it's great. It's, it's like hitting a golf shot. And you squeeze your hands too, too tight mm-hmm. is that sometimes that ball can just spray and go into the ground, go 10 yards over a guy's head. That's where bad misses usually come from mm-hmm. is a guy trying to really rip a throw in late because they're squeezing the ball so hard. And I would see that a lot with Wilson was just his feet would get a little slow because his eyes would be, would be slow. So he looked to the left and then his feet would go to the left. And he was like, Oh shoot, that's not open. Shoot. What's my number two. Oh, that guy's coming open. And it's like, not where he should be going with the ball. It got better as most rookies do, but that's where some of those accuracy, you know, sprays I really think came from. And I think there's going to be a natural improvement, just getting more comfortable with the offense and maybe a little bit of health luck around him too. But mm-hmm. it is a little worrisome when a guy throws 55% completion percentage in kind of the modern NFL, like they, yeah. that's just a basic stat that's still just kind of like it, yeah, it, it right. causes a moment of hesitation. <laughs> but like you know, there's a lot of stats where you can maybe contextualize stuff. Yeah, you can contextualize completion percentage. It's hard to make 55 look good. Like it's just it, you really right. have to do a lot of work to be like, oh, Once you have like 20 air yards to throw. <laughs> right, right. Like if you're you know running like a Bruce Arians offense and yeah. You know, you're throwing with your other arm, maybe 20% of the time. Maybe that's it. But like, you know, I, you're you're bringing up really valid stuff here. And it sort of reminds me a little bit, and I'm not making a comparison between how they're going to turn out here, but early in his career, I, I remember seeing Josh Allen, where he would do that work. It felt like he was yeah. almost fight, he was fighting his feet at times. Like he'd see yep. him, you know, his feet would get real choppy and he would be like, you know, like he, he would know he had to go somewhere, but it's almost like he didn't know where to go to where to step. that. It's a fantastic comparison. That's that's the thing with Josh Allen. Everyone's talking about his mechanics and how he changed his motion. I never saw him change. He hasn't changed his throwing motion that much. It's gotten quicker. It's his footwork has gotten a million times better. So that's a fantastic comparison because that is like, I mean, you hope every quarterback can grow like that, but that's where the improvements come from is is footwork. Yeah. Um, You know, Josh Allen improved his footwork and improved his accuracy to an extent that no it's the outlier of outliers <laughs> yeah. but like but like you know at least you know if you're a jets fan okay like that's possible it's yeah. not like this is a hopeless situation um and i mean it, it does bear out what you're saying in the numbers i mean he was when he was unpressured he was 28th in qbr which is you know not ideal but it was okay he was 42nd he was dead last out of 42 passers with 100 attempts or more when he was pressured and, and so it felt like you know i, I wonder not how would I put it? Like, do you think it's a cliche when people say that the game is too fast for people? Maybe when they're rookies, or is this a case where you think the game might have been too fast for for Zach Wilson uh, in his rookie year? No, I, I think that holds up here. Like that saying does hold up here. I I wouldn't say too fast, but yeah, but that's really what it comes down to. It's going from that BYU offense to the NFL. I think it was a 
it was a big shock. <laughs> it was it was a oh I can't get away with this anymore. I can't outrun this guy from New Mexico. Um, <laughs> I can't throw it up to my my five eleven receiver who's going to dunk on the five seven corner. <laughs> you know, like that. That's what a lot of Wilson's uh, play was, and it was awesome. Like his highs, his flashes are so cool. Even in the NFL, his rookie year, like his arm talent. I, I believe his arm talent's ridiculous, mm-hmm. and that's why it's almost frustrating when you watch him because you just do the simple things. Just make it easy on yourself. You don't, he, he, at BYU, a lot of his stuff was creating and the optimists about him. I was a little lower on him than most. I still had a first round grade on him, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of figured that there would be a learning experience for him because he did so much out of structure. And that is just, you know, he, he, he can hit the contested fadeaway jumper, but he can't shoot a layup. Like, and that, that's kind of what it's like sunshine and freaking remember the Titans. Like he can throw it and whip it, but then he can't just hit the little short route. And he, he showed in the Bucks game. That's why his best game to watch is that game, because there's times where he, he hit the check down and it was like, Oh, good job. Good. Okay. You're figuring out just a little bit because there's so many times where you're like, uh, or you watch him and you can tell he's like, I'm going to rip this throw. And you're like, no, Zach, no. <laughs> and, and, and that's, you know, the, the flip side of it, but it, it's those flashes are so, so good with him. And mm-hmm. that's why it's, you want to want him to hone in and get more comfortable with this offense, because that's, I think that's exactly true is that it was a little too fast for him. And that's where a lot of his blemishes came from. And I think as soon he got injured as well, that doesn't help injuries around him. Doesn't help. The team was fledgling at the end of the year, the last game against the bills, he's thrown to like, I couldn't even tell you their names. It was like, it was like, <laughs> John Smith and like <laughs> Tariq Black and somebody. Yeah. Insert player, you know, a Madden franchise, create name 20, <laughs> 2038. And so that's why you kind of don't want to read too much in it. So the couple games where he did have a decent stuff around him, that's the ones you want to look at. But there were times where you can tell he's guessing. And so, yeah, I think that adage kind of holds true with him. Now, to be clear, you mentioned sunshine from remember the titans you had him at, <laughs> you had him as a two-star prospect coming out of high school if i'm not mistaken i think he ended up at U- uh, south carolina or usc sunshine actually in real life yeah, I, if i i if i remember correctly yeah no yeah yeah two-star prospect you know i i didn't like him in that option offense you know in high school <laughs> uh, so i i wasn't sure what he would what he would translate to at the at the college level and only only completed 53 and a half percent of his passes <laughs> at college level so so people always talk about, oh, what do, what do these guys know? Nate, Nate Tice was correct about Sunshine. Uh, remember the beautiful go balls, beautiful, beautiful go balls. That's fair. You know yeah. what? And and sometimes you get you get caught up in the beauty of. Uh, he he was Jalen Hurts before Jalen Hurts. That's uh, what. <laughs> that's going to be the takeaway from this podcast. Nate compares Jalen Hurts to uh, Sunshine. Sunshine from Remember the Titans. Eagle Eagles Twitter is going to love you, Nate. They're going to love thrilled. it. Okay. They won't even know how to react. They'd be like, that's is, true. Is that an insult or is that like, yeah, they won't even know. They won't even know, but they'll get mad. They'll they're going ha- to have to grind the uh, Remember the Titans. <laughs> Tape to 19 what was it 1974 yes. alexandria virginia tape yes <laughs> it's it's you know someone has it you know someone has it out there it's on oh the it's chris somewhere. brown yeah, that's true it's good it's smart football chris brown has it um i'm gonna ask you the same question for all these guys i asked you about lawrence what's the stride wilson could take in 2022 that would make you feel more confident about his chances of growing into a above average or, or good pro passer uh yeah, I, I think bringing up the negatives leads to what his positive or what the growth can be. And that's um, just 
becoming comfortable in the NFL offense. And I think that's it's going to be natural. You'll have a whole offseason when this offense yeah. has better talent around him. So I think you're just going to see natural growth with that. Um, yeah, I would just say operating in structure. And mm-hmm. it's we know we, you can make the trick shots and the awesome, crazy, cool throws, <laughs> deep balls, attack all the field. But can you hit something five yards right in front of you? Can you can your eyes go in the correct position uh, at the snap of the ball? Because his pre-snap and post-snap, um, and I talked about this in the article, it was that if the post-snap picture changed for him at all than what he thought it would be pre-snap, mm-hmm. stuff would go to shit. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so I think is now is learning how to confirm stuff post-snap. And I, I think that's what where you'll see some growth with him. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. Yep. Uh, let's move on next to Trey Lance. Much smaller role <laughs> yes. in the 49ers quarterback. Did not play very often. Report actually came out today that he was dealing with a, a finger injury that sort of uh, limited him last year. And he you see the actual quote about what was that? The actual, what was the actual it was quote? like, uh, Trey Lance's fingers in the best shape of his life. <laughs> <laughs> play the hits play that I mean we're in May <laughs> yeah I mean I, I was a little surprised that Kyle Shanahan didn't use him more as a short yardage option I mean Kyle Shanahan did say oh it kind of takes me out of the flow of play calling and the finger injury it does make sense that maybe you'd be worried about him in short yardage holding on to the football but at the end of the day I mean Trey Lance did not do much in his rookie season when he was on the field he had a couple starts um did fill in here and there did you see anything that stood out to you when it came to how he might fit in this offense? Yeah, you can see Shanahan cannot wait to when he did yeah. play. He had two starts, uh, yeah, basically two and a half s- starts. He had mm-hmm. Seahawks game and Jimmy G got hurt, played against the Cardinals and then played against the Texans late in the season. And the Texans game is kind of like the one you want to watch because it's just like you can see the good and bad with him. The Cardinals game, he, he tries to be – he, he's so big and athletic, and that's the thing with Lance is just like bringing up Wilson coming from BYU, Lance came from North Dakota State and only started one season, and he is a bundle of traits, and that's you can see the good and bad of that in that Texans game because there's times where you can tell he's used to being the best athlete on the field. And he would like I try to outrun everybody. And it's like he thinks he thinks he's got like a first down. And then you see Jordan Reed from the post position mm-hmm. safety just sprint up and smoke him. And it's like, and I you could tell he's like, ooh, not wasn't used to that going against Northern Iowa. Uh <laughs> like that. That, that. that was a lot faster, and that guy hit a lot harder. Um, so watching him though, is you can see why Shanahan went for him because he is the complete opposite of Jimmy G in so many ways in good and bad he can create he's big he can stand in the pocket move around the pocket and extend plays um when he breaks outside of it he's got a huge arm he's willing to throw it in tight spaces but on the flip side mm-hmm. we talked about wilson having no idea where to go with the ball sometimes trey was the same way <laughs> he he had there was times you could tell he was just guessing on a route or they made it real simple for him and made it go one and done with like a heavy play action shot play. Like I think they ran a leak play to Kittle and he throws an interception and you can see Kyle Shanahan going, no, like don't (laughs) on the sideline. You can literally see him going, no, don't throw it. And he throws it and you see Shanahan put his hands on his head, like no, and becomes intercepted. And, and that's the good and bad with him. I do not think he is, like, I'm not saying he's dumb or anything. I'm saying that he just needs reps. And we talked about the Shanahan offense in, in New York with LaFleur, yeah. with Mike LaFleur. Well, you're going to the Rosetta Stone and Kyle Shanahan. So 
Uh, I think that is where it's figuring out the passing game wise, what he can and cannot handle. But also what's so exciting with that, about him is you can run any QB run play you want to run. And mm-hmm. cause he's so big and athletic and you can see Shanahan sprinkling in some stuff. Like the, there's a play against the Texans that they ran a uh, swing route to Debo Samuel from the backfield. Uh, Eli Mitchell's the lone receiver. They run this play, it's a, and the, the Buffalo Bills run this all the time with Josh Allen. They run the swing route, and then it's a QB draw. Yep. So you, and But it's a package play, an RPO, however you want to put it. But you only can do that if you have a big quarterback that can run between the tackles. And the fact that Lance can do that, you can see Shanahan probably pretty excited about him. And the one stat before I finish on him was this kind of like speaking to how different him and Jimmy G are. Lance scrambled 11 times mm-hmm. last year in those two and a half starts. Jimmy G scrambled six times the entire season <laughs> in 15 games. And I'm not saying like, oh, you have to scramble. You have like that. So that's how you have to win. But you have to do it a little bit to like create oh, some sure. plays because the like that that's last. I mean, amongst everyone, like it's it's lower than Stafford. It's lower than Tom Brady. Tom Brady scrambled more a lot times last year than Jimmy G did. So <laughs> Jared Goff scrambled more times, 11 times. So that is where it's, that's ability to create is what Lance brings to the table. Sadly, I already knew that because I had a bunch of like Jared Goff under one and a half yards rushing <laughs> drops last year and lost them. I was oh, like, you lost them. run? Yeah. That's funny. There That's was it. one Brady. Was, was it him and Max Williams? What, don't you like, don't you always bet like the under on Max Williams or something like that? There's I always some bet the under on, on tight ends. Any, any like tight end, like, like Mercedes Lewis, like any like nine and a half yard tight end under prop. I always so- bet it. You're just praying that there's not some like the whole game stupid check down or there was there was one last year where I had Brady over all right Brady under like two and a half rushing yards and he ran for four yards early in the game and I'm like well that's a loss and then he kneeled three times in the game and I I got it back it was so good that's just, beautiful just that's like a, found money that is found money that's a that's a good beat right there um, that is yeah that's very a good rare one. very rare for anyone to remember a good beat as opposed to a bad beat but that's yeah. one for me for sure you mentioned trey lance's impact as a a runner yeah. if he has the ball in his hands um how might he impact the 49ers run game i know they run a lot of varied stuff it's not just all outside zone it, it, they sort of throw mm-hmm. plenty of duo they run plenty of power um but when it comes to outside zone when it comes to that sort of core shanahan staple um, you know, so much over the last year has been putting that that backside defensive end in conflict and mm-hmm. people, you know, attacking the quarterback to try and take away the play action threat. Um, how does Lance impact that running game? What, what can the Niners do to take advantage of Lance's ability as a runner off of that? Yeah, the 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 swing example, the swing QB draw is one in the red zone and short yardage situations, like high leverage situations. Mm-hmm. That is where QB run game really helps um is because why it, the simple one is usually a zone read where you, you read the backside dn and you just keep it and take if the if the dn crashes down you you keep it and run into the end zone if you want to run for the first down mm-hmm. the why qb run game is so important in those areas and you'll hear the like we talk about adages the game's too fast for him and all that this one of oh the qb run game changes the math it changes the math and it, it, it's true and what sure. they when people are saying with changing the math is when you're getting the short yardage and goal line, defenses more or less are playing cover zero. They are more like they're shooting hard. They are, those guys are firing off the ball and they are mowing you down. Like they are hitting every single gap uh, and, and making it hard on you. They are not caring about 
you getting rid of the ball because if you're throwing the ball, because they're going to play hard press, have a safe, they're, they're just trying to make, they're trying to make you be wrong as an offensive guy and, or just out executing you. Oh, you want to run inside? We'll shoot the gaps and pinch everybody inside. Sort of having the QB in there mm-hmm. is they have to play sound now. They have to, the backside guy can't sprint down and make the tackle for a one-yard loss because the quarterback might just keep it. Mm-hmm. Or the the variance of run game, when you say changing the math, is now if they uh, Trey Lance was in a package play against the Packers and Trent mm-hmm. Williams has a pancake block for a touchdown. And tri- what they did with Trey Lance was they ran pin pole with him as the runner. And pin pole is the, uh, the tight end or the tackle pins down and then you have pullers working around. So here they had the tight end pinned down, Trent Williams pulled. And now you have your running back as a lead blocker. And now you also have the quarterback running it. So now you have a plus one and not everything has to be perfect. And now the defense has to honor that and they can't just crash down. So that's where those legs come into, you know, come into fruition. And we're actually like the positive aspects of that on top of just being able to create when everything's not wide open. Mm -hmm. So that's where it really comes in is that short yardage, those goal line opportunities, and then even something like a second and 12 and getting an offense back on track because you're just, you know, taking a little gimme with a QB run. Mm -hmm. Now, I I asked you about what these guys have to do to improve in year two to to show, obviously, Trey Lance did not really have the same sample. So I'm going to ask you a different question. What are the chances to you that Trey Lance is the week one starter for the San Francisco 49ers in 2022? Man, it's... I, if you had asked me in like January, I would have said a hundred, mm-hmm. but then it's, it's so all the smoke coming out and every, it seems like every former 49ers player, not current, every former 49ers player. I'm not talking about like one year ago, guy, I'm talking about guys from like 10, 20 years ago, like Joe Montana and shit are going like, ah, don't know if Lance is the guy. I don't know if they <laughs> like him. And it's just so weird to me. Cause I'm like, why is it all these former players? Like what, what did, did they have? Like, do they have like a, a weekly meeting where they review this <laughs> film? It's so weird to me, but I'm going to put it at 90% that he's a starter. Um, I just, not only just the draft capital and we can get into contract stuff and all that, but just also what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that needs live reps. And I think Shanahan knows that as well. I think some of this Jimmy G stuff, the trade stuff is, you know, because of the shoulder and also just going, no, we love him. We love him as much of a second rounder, like, you know, kind of like saying, no, that's how good he is. So that's also where I think some of that smoke screens coming up, but Mm -hmm. who knows, but I put it at 90, 90% because I, 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 I think that's, I think he's a tangible, he can be a tangible guy. Yeah, for sure. I think he offers something Jimmy Garoppolo does not at his best. Um, Justin Fields, uh, certainly it felt like after that Browns game, people had made up <laughs> their minds. They were like, okay, this is oil and water. This is not going to work. Matt Nagy is a disaster. This offensive line is a mess. Justin Fields is hopeless. Um, not not hopeless in terms of his career, but just hopeless for this season. He has no way to make this work. Uh, he was in and out of the lineup. Um, what did you think of the fit? I mean, is it just that Justin Fields was stuck in an offense where – Matt Nagy did not play to his strengths, and because of that, it was hopeless. Or do you think there was some positives? What did you think about number one, the chances of Justin Fields succeeding last season? Was was he at all in a position where he could succeed? Oh, not really. <laughs> the uh, the it, it, we talk. I, I don't want to sound like a broken record because we kind of like 
bash the Jaguars stuff already oh, sure. about this, but there's a lot of stuff that happened to the Jaguars offense that was with the Bears as well. I would say the offensive line was even worse mm-hmm. in, in Chicago than it was in Jacksonville. Yeah. And not just talent level, but we talk about execution and Jaguars receivers executing. The Bears offensive line executing and pass protection, not just talent level, but just going to the right place was alarming uh it was one of those where it's like how is this an nfl offensive line like how they operated like it, the sam mustafer i can't believe i i'll have that name burned in my brain because i'd watch these games he was the center for them last year and he was just going to the wrong place every time and not changing and poor justin fields would have, have to deal with two guys running right at him and he used to run around and and we talk about receivers running the same routes that would happen with the bears the bears issue just like it was with the Jaguars was with the receivers was they run short on a lot of routes. Mm-hmm. And if it was at 10 yards, they run eight yards. And even a guy like Darnell Mooney, who I like, he would be short on routes. Um, so that's, that's just getting to that on top of it. What Matt, what we, I just talked about the offensive line was, and this is what happened in that Browns game. Mm-hmm. He Matt Nagy kind of had an antiquated way of how to help the offensive line. He thought it was, Oh, let's get the ball out quick. Yeah. And throw it quick, get the ball out quick so that the defense can't get after us. Defenses have really upgraded the yeah. <laughs> and they know how to stop quick. I would say know how to stop it, but know how to really limit the effectiveness of quick game. And that's why it's kind of funny how NFL it's going to circle back to attacking deep <laughs> and you know, quick game like kind of hit its peak. And I think it's coming back down the effectiveness. And so he was like, Oh, get rid of the ball. Justin Fields has a longer release. And quick game isn't his forte. He is a he's a ball pusher. He is a touchdown to check down type of guy. So that kind of showed me it's like they have no idea what he is. And they have no <laughs> they have no idea how to use this guy, no idea how to help out their offensive line. I would say the Vikings game later in the year was like the best time I saw them. They used a lot of nakeds. Yeah. That's how you help an offensive line is shoring up the protection with extra guys or yeah. running bootlegs and getting the quarterback out of the pocket so he's mm-hmm. on the move. Uh, but having said that, it was that was where the blemishes came. It was a it was a nice smorgasbord of uh, of issues uh, in Chicago. I feel like the Minnesota accent really comes out on smorgasbords for you. That yeah, was really that was really pleasant. I really <laughs> I try to have a neutral accent. My my parents have a thick New York accent. My sister has a thick Minnesota accent, and I, I try to be neutral. But once in a while, maybe if I have a beer in me, not not that <laughs> I I don't have one in me right now. But when I, my my wife will say. I have a couple of beers in me and also I'll go like, no, no. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, I'll talk to someone. Oh yeah. 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 You betcha. Yeah. yeah, and that, then, yeah it just kind of comes it happens. out. Yeah. My wife, same thing. A couple of drinks. The, she's from Texas. The y'alls start, mm-hmm. start popping out. You know, you yep. know, something's changed. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, the number that stood out to me is that I went and looked at his rushing numbers and he had 420 rushing yards last year. 365 of those were on plays charted as scrambles by <laughs> so i mean at, at, as a just as a pure runner as a as a designed runner on run plays 55 rushing yards 28 attempts five of which were kneel downs i mean he was getting like one maybe two design runs per game and and yeah. that's you know if they were just doing everything they could to keep the guy healthy every in every other situation i'd say okay well they just want to protect him don't want to waste his you know his knee or his legs on a on a bad season but it wasn't like they were protecting him when passing down so i just don't understand why the offense didn't change more when they had all off season to prepare for the real inevitability i would say of getting justin fields into the lineup they were kicking and screaming uh, to yeah. have to start him which was 
I thought the complete opposite way to go about it. I thought it was, you take this guy, what are you as a franchise? Just freaking anoint him. And it, I mean, that's, that's what I thought anyways, going into the year. And I knew I was a fan of, of fields, but this was like, I didn't draft him. You drafted him. <laughs> so shouldn't you want to like, kind of like really enable him and really give him kind of some credibility and confidence that no matter what happens, the mistakes I make in practice, I don't have to look behind my shoulder, Andy Dalton, right. or, or I think Nick they had Foles. Nick Foles on the roster oh, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, God, he signed with the Colts too. It's just like this guy, that guy is what a life. What a, what a that's another guy from the 2012 quarterback draft class with yeah. with Russ and and Luck and RG3 still still kicking, uh, but no it, it's I, I I agree that the quarterback run stuff and even with the quarterback runs they did run were so from they were so 2012 <laughs> like they were it was a very simplistic zone read I brought that one up already but defenses have learned to play those like you could throw it in like a, a nice change up on like a third yeah. and one out of nowhere but when defenses know that's the only qb run you run then they you know they practice i remember, <laughs> I remember andrew luck uh that colts chiefs playoff game where the chiefs yeah. Colts get back from like 30 points they had a fourth and one early in that game was that the fun botch snap or whatever no that, that was just before that this is oh. when it was fourth and one like midfield they were like we're down 25 points we have to do something and they called like their first zone read andrew luck keeper of the year and it was like the the c part it was like the perfect Beautiful. play call even waiting Good. all year to call it it was perfect <laughs> They're like, oh, oh yeah, Andrew Luck runs a four six. Like, let's <laughs> let's, let's use it. <laughs> yeah, we'll save it for this one moment. Well, yeah. I mean, when when exactly. freaking Kaepernick against the Packers in the playoffs, it was uh, like it, it was it was semi pro when you first see the first alley oop. Like that was <laughs> that was the Packers defense. There was a Dom Capers was the defense coordinator. It was it was I think that's who it was. I it was like so. it was like he, you could tell he's like what what was that like foul <laughs> foul. <laughs> Just Eric Walden, just constantly spinning around looking for the football. Poor guy. Uh, I remember. I think it was Clay Matthews in that. Uh, he was chasing. Mm. He was chasing the running back because Clay Matthews would play with blinders on, and oh, you could just see you just see Kaepernick just going like, "Okay, <laughs> all right, he's thirty yards out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. You're supposed to be the contain guy. Thanks, yeah, guys. <laughs> um, I mean, when it came to how Justin Fields played last year, mm -hmm. were there positives to take away, or was it just? The offense was such a mess. There was nothing positive to see. Oh, the positives is this dude can make the point zero one percent throws. Okay. It's he uh, he he's he has a style that I always kind of uh, defer to, and there is some similarities to Dante Culpepper in a way, um, in the fact that this guy can push the ball and he's willing to push the ball, and also he's very accurate. Um, I already mentioned that kind of, he has a longer throwing time. Like he, you throw how you throw. It's definitely, that was one negative that people brought up uh, with him going in, into his rookie year. But the thing is he throws it so hard, uh, that he can kind of compensate for that. Um, I thought his anticipation, you could see the light bulb turn on for him, uh, after every kind of bad game, they had a bad game against the bucks. And even in that game, you could see him kind of shoring up a mistake. They ran the same play and he, he throws this route, the first time he threw it, he was a little late on it. And it, I think it got batted down or went out of bounds. And they run it again, like two quarters later, I think the game might have been out of hand. And you can see him, he has no fat on the throw, no, his footwork's perfect. And he threw it before the, the receiver's turning. So it's like, okay, you learned, like you learned during the game, like how to like quicken up your, your, your clock, just like with Zach Wilson just has to quicken up that clock. I think fields show some good, really awareness on concepts. Like his eyes are pretty good, which was 
I, I was a little worried about that from Ohio State because they didn't run a, run a ton of stuff too. They run good concepts that translate, mm-hmm. but it's not a big variety. But then he he was good with these NFL concepts and understanding what they ran. So I, that that was very encouraging. I think the uh, what he has to improve upon about kind of take the question out <laughs> um, is that <laughs> is that he doesn't have to be a hero. He doesn't, not everything has to be a trick shot. Not everything. There's times where he's jumping up, like he's a shortstop turning two Mm -hmm. and trying to check the ball down. And so I think some of that's like, you don't have to be the hero. Just take the easy play. You don't, not every play has to be a touchdown. Um, So that's kind of the flip side of that, but I love his aggression. I'd much rather have a quarterback be too aggressive than too passive and fields is he's a big game hunter. I keep using that phrase, but that's what he is. Mm -hmm. So next year, I mean, is it just, you want to see him, you want to see the offense sort of molded to his strengths and see him succeeding within the context of those strengths? Do you want to see him take more checkdowns, sort of like a Zach Wilson situation where you want to see him take the single? I mean, wh- what what would be tangible progress from him? Um, yeah, I, man, he would show enough that he did find the checkdown, which was encouraging, maybe just speed everything up. Um, almost kind of the opposite of Lawrence, where Fields knows he has to go one to two to three. But he's willing to hang in there on number one in the pocket. Like if if you want to be dumb, you got to be tough. Kind of, <laughs> and he would. Yeah, he's not dumb, but he would hang in that pocket, wait for something to pop, and he wanted to deliver to throw. And maybe sometimes it's like, hey, you don't have to take a shot to the chin to get this ball off. Like I, I would say, that's where some of the improvement could come. But yeah, I. I was kind of disappointed. I think a lot of us are with the Bears put around him. Um, I really wanted a big ball winner type. Um, I would have loved Alec Pierce from Cincinnati to gone there. Just a guy that can win some jump balls because he's willing to push it and give his receivers a chance. Um, I would. That's what I wanted to see. I want to see more of a vertical offense from this Bears team. I think they can get to it. Uh, more play action, more just vertical, 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 touchdown to check down. I think he would thrive in an offense like that. So I – even if they didn't really upgrade the talent around him, I think just by default, the, sc- the scheme around him will improve because I, I thought it was just, it was malpractice at times with the, bear, <laughs> with the Bears did. <laughs> now you referenced Jackass in your last answer. And there is an example, very coincidentally. And now Johnny- we're talking about our next quarterback. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, Johnny, Johnny Knoxville hung in the pocket too long and got hit on the blind side by Jared Allen. <laughs> You're right. I thought you were going to say he was blind as a bull flipped him, you know, ass over tea kettle. That also happened, but I I was sticking strictly football related topics. Oh, that's right. And then the quarterback throwing him in that was uh, Eric Ainge. Eric Ainge got in. Yes. 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 A credit. What are the odds? He was my counselor at the Manning camp when I was in high school. (laughs) Yep. I had him and Derek Anderson. Those oh, were wow. my counselors at the time. Those are the two I remember anyways. And uh, there's some Georgia Tech QB, I think, was another one. But, yeah, those are the two I remember. Just uh, watching Eric Ainge throw the ball 80 yards and then not be able to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can throw a slant route to Johnny Knoxville as, as he gets depleted. Ah, uh, yeah, that's why Eric Ainge did not come back for Jackass Forever. Uh, <laughs> got, got, got his teammate taken out. Um, How many times have you watched Jackass Forever, by the way? I'm already – I've watched it twice. I'm ready for a third. <laughs> I honestly, I saw it in the theater. I watched a lot of clips online. I don't think I watched the second time full through, but I will, now that it's streaming, I will certainly oh. watch it again. I have a, I have a, a, a long flight coming up. I feel like there's a good chance I will have it downloaded <laughs> for that flight. 
<laughs> just have a front and center. Yeah, yes. I oh, I made a mistake of watching Game of Thrones on a flight one time. Oh, no. And there's oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We oh, got an early early. I think it was a season two sex scene, and I remember oh, just no. being like, no, no, like try to hide it. Like okay, Feels change, good. change. Oh, I'm gonna get my book out. <laughs> <laughs> Sad, sad, sad. That's why HBO just you can't watch it on flights. That's what it boils down to. Um, two more guys to get to. Mac Jones build as sort of this like cerebral option. Like he was supposed to be the guy who was able to diagnose stuff at the line of scrimmage. He was going to get his team in advantageous situations. When you actually watched him as a rookie, was he much different from the typical rookie at that stuff? Did he look like he was a you know kind of further along in his development than you know other quarterbacks typically in their debut seasons? Yeah, that that was what's funny with Mac Jones is that he got typecasted as a oh he's going to be the most pro ready guy because he came from Alabama, and it was one of those where if you actually watched Alabama's offense, they were running RPOs like every play. But the thing with him is that. He wins. I talk about Justin Fields creating, Trey Lance creating, Zach Wilson creating, Trevor Lawrence creating, all these guys creating out of pocket, extending plays. Mac Jones is like way to win. It's just an exceptional eyes and timing. And actually, and I, I keep saying this phrase uh, about him because I, I try not to use this word when describing. It's rare accuracy. Like he knows how to try and think of some old coaching phrase, shoot, you know, shoot the wings off a fly, like whatever, <laughs> like that, that's what he can do. He knows how to miss accurately. Like in um, I, the clip didn't make it, but there's a clip. He throws to Hunter Henry in the end zone mm-hmm. and the defenders draped all over Hunter Henry. And you can see Mac Jones, see that and he throws like a dart at Hunter Henry's lower left knee. And it's perfect. It's like the only spot that Hunter Henry could have came up with the ball, but he did so quickly and the ball was perfect touchdown, which should have been a harder throw for other quarterbacks. That's how he wins. It's just this exceptional, exceptional accuracy. He'll push the ball too. Even if his arm strength, his arm strength is not great. It's, it's average. I really will say that, but he's able to increase his room for error by throwing the ball so early and to the perfect spot, even if it's down the field. So that's, he's, he's even better. I'm not, I still think his upside is pretty limited, but he's a better player than maybe I even gave credit for until I reviewed him. And I, I, he does a lot of things really well that you want to see a quarterback do. And even if he doesn't create like these other guys do the dude ran for like, he's a better scrambler. Like he, when I talk about, Oh, everything you can't find a guy open, create your own first down that I want like Dak Prescott to do. Jones is a better, like, kind of educated, smart scrambler than maybe I was expecting. Like, he he ran for 22 first downs wow. on only 44 rushes. Like, that's I think that's pretty crazy to me. Like, that's that's only half of his times that he ran the ball, he got a first down. I, I like so I think he's just a smart, smart, smart player and extremely accurate. So his floor is just so high. So yeah, more, more fun to watch than maybe, and this is the same thing that happened to me when I evaluated him, that he was so much more better than I expected when I first went in watching him. Same thing, reviewing his rookie year. Yeah, I mean, he's he was difficult for me to sort of diagnose because it felt like, especially during the first half of the season when they were successful, when their defense got going, um, not really, the, like not the first few weeks, but sort of, you know, week five to week yeah. 15, if I remember correctly. It felt like he was always in advantageous situations, so he didn't have to push the ball. He wasn't stuck where, you know, defensive linemen were, were pinning their ears back and going after him. And it felt yeah. like they were they were very good about helping him. 
Uh, you know, on third and long, they were running screens, they were running draws, they were not putting him in situations where he had to throw down field. And it sort of felt like, you know, I don't want to say training wheels were on. Like, it wasn't like they were, you know, he wasn't doing anything because he was, but it felt like they were trying to avoid the situations where he would make rookie mistakes. And I, you know, number one, I'd be intrigued to hear if you saw the same thing at all. And number two, I mean, do you think that is a smart move or do you think that teams should sort of put their quarterbacks when they're young in situations where they have to get a first down? They have to, like you always say, have to get a bucket. Yeah, and no, and I, I completely agree. That was going into last year, and that's why it's kind of funny. Like even right now, I want to overly praise him because there was times last year during the season I kind of what you just brought up is what I was seeing as well, is that the a lot of heavy play action protection, the stuff that I wanted the Bears to do for fields where they're keeping seven guys in. So it's really only like a two-man route and a check down. Um, you know, they ran the ball a ton. I think they were the sixth heaviest run team, I think, uh, give or take, as uh, a percentage I saw. Um, he, he wasn't pressured a ton. He had a good offensive line in front of him with good rules. Um, and also the receivers, they didn't have a ton of speed or juice, even though Nelson Aguilar was supposed to be that. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that as well, but they – ran nice sound concepts with answers for him. So I completely agree. I would think he had easily the best situation of all these rookie guys, not including what Trey Lance and that offense, because he just barely played for them. Mm-hmm. But of all the guys that started significantly is that he easily had the best situation of these guys. And on top of it, he has some, he has a decent head coach as well. Uh, but I, my optimist side about him was seeing him operate on third down mm-hmm. and seeing him find throws and how quickly he operated. Cause otherwise I would have said the same thing is where, or I would have kind of held his first and second down execution more mm-hmm. up there because it was more like, well, they do make it easy on him, And yeah. So I'm kind of talking about both sides of my mouth. They made it very easy for him. He executed very well with what they asked him to do, but now why I talk about upside with these guys. Okay. So if they had a good situation around you and this, is how you execute it, mm-hmm. what about when you lose Shaq Mason? Right. What about if Trent Brown, you know, is hurt most of the year or, or missing time? What, what if, if a couple of, what if all these guys leave? Yeah, what if you have what, no offense coordinator? Yeah, well, I was gonna say, <laughs> what what if Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are in a war to be your offensive coordinator? Unbelievable. It's it's bizarre. It's it's starting to pick up steam in media, but we should really be talking about what the if hell were, is going on if, in New if England. It were, if it were any other team, yeah, would you be talking about it differently. Oh, yeah, exactly. What, what, what if like the Seahawks were doing that right now, or like, <laughs> or or the Bears? What if the Bears did that right now? Like, people would just be having a field day about it. I mean, the, yeah. Dolphins, the Dolphins, the Dolphins, oh, Dolphins, the team yeah. last year where they had the they had co coordinators, co coordinators. They spent they spent half the year sort of hiding who was actually calling the plays. It's just like. Like, oh my God! What what do you? I mean, from your perspective, you've worked for teams, you've been yeah. in coaching rooms, you know how coaches think. Like, what what's the purpose of this? Like, what are they trying to gain from this? This is just the Patriots being the Patriots. This is just Belichick being Belichick. That's what it is. It, it's some, um, it's his games. It's his mind games. Yeah, this is what he loves to do. Like he, you gotta remember, this is the part he was a Parcells guy. Yeah. Like that. That's what they love to do. And this is it's almost old school in a way. It's that we're not going to tell you we're going to hide it. I think all these younger coaches coming in are so much more open with stuff mm-hmm. um, for the most part. I think Belichick is just struck back. He's like, no, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not. <laughs> I don't have to tell you who's calling plays. And then it's one of those where it's like, yeah, but you have to tell your players at some yes. point. 
Because I'm seeing, I think this is also my theory. Every defensive guy started on offense and then they had to move to defense. Mm-hmm. So this is my theory is that Belichick is like, I get to, I get to actually call some plays in practice. <laughs> like I, I do think that he's getting off on this a little bit where he's like, I get to be an offensive guy for a couple months, like before I have to announce one of these guys. Cause you watch him at minicamp. I've seen videos cause I'm trying to dissect it too. Yeah. And you see, you see the videos and he's, you know, regurgitating the plays for the quarter for Mac Jones to run in practice. And I was like, Oh, he's loving this. I guarantee it. <laughs> So funny. I with Mac Jones. I mean, I one thing I found interesting when it came to his uh came to his numbers where he was blitzed more frequently than any other quarterback in football who threw as many pass attempts as he did. There were guys who were less active, like Cam was blitzed more frequently, Tyrod was blitzed more frequently, but like the guys who were getting blitzed this much were guys who have a running element to their game. Cam, Lamar, Tyrod, Taysom Hill. Why do you think that was? Is there anything that stands out to you that made you think why maybe teams were blitzing Mac Jones more? Yeah, I think it's maybe they weren't scared of him pushing the ball as much mm-hmm. because when you blitz, what the defense is, is daring you to do is is it's gash or be gashed. It's yeah. it's we're gonna get home or okay, fine. This is the Spagnolo way of, way of playing defenses. We're gonna blitz you. You either you get an explosive play or we get a sack or or a ball batted down, mm-hmm. and that's maybe I think with him it's we don't have to worry about him escaping uh, because that's the scary part about bringing a blitz as well as all of our we have less defenders in coverage. If that quarterback breaks contain, also their their backs are turned and all that. I would say those other guys like Lamar and all that. It's because like Lamar, especially because Greg Roman's protection stuff is like from ni- 1998, mm-hmm. and so they were. That was more of like Lamar's not going to throw hot or anything. He's just going to create a play. So screw it, let's try it. Um, especially after that Dolphins game. But it, I think with Mac was that they were trying to dare him to beat him deep or to create off structure, and I think that's really where it came from because I thought the the Patriots have for years. Um, going from first Skarnacki to now who, well, the guy left actually, he went to Vegas, I believe, um, is that they, they, they pretty sound protection stuff and picking that stuff up. So I think that's really what it is, which is daring Matt Jones to throw it intermediate deep quickly, um, which I do think he flashed uh, the ability to do so, but I think that's the line of thinking. So is that your goal for him in 2022 is, is hit more shots downfield, threading teams more vertically? Yes, that that and I think I think that's where the Taekwon Thornton pick came yeah. from from uh, in the second round. Uh, uh still a little little earlier than I thought uh, that guy would go, but uh, sure. he what he can do is run. He, he's not a bad player, he, but he can roll. So I think that's what it was is that they want to open things up so he can attack more intermediate and deep and I think that's mm-hmm. where the improvement would come from. It's just he doesn't have to be bombs away every play, but just enough to threaten and, and open things up for the rest of the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes total sense. Let's finish up with Davis Mills here. Um, so hard to evaluate for me because there's a, a very dramatic difference in the quality of the competition he faced. So his six-game stretch to start the year, he was playing past defenses, which were ranked the following by DVOA. Carolina was 18th. The Bills were first. Patriots third. Colts 17th. Cardinals fifth. Rams sixth. So, I mean... Definitely a, a pretty rough stretch of defenses. He's out for a couple of weeks. He comes back five game stretch to finish the year against defenses ranked 26th in Seattle, 31st with the Jags, 19th with the Chargers, 15th with the Niners, 11th with Tennessee in terms of pass defense DVOA. So in terms of watching him play, 
do you think he improved in a vacuum as the season went on or how much of that do you think was just the fact that he maybe was playing easier defenses during that hot five game stretch to finish the year? Yes. Yes. No, <laughs> um, I, I think it's, yeah, it's a little bit of both. It's him, him being tabbed as the starter and having that confidence to play um, and being, and just continued reps. I think that is just always going to be the natural improvement. And then yes, also playing against, lesser defenses and all that, all that. I, that's why when I watched him, I wanted to see him against maybe some mm-hmm. um, uh, better defenses. Like, so I really focused on him against San Fran in week 17. Um, and also uh, that chargers game, even though that chargers game was not the best game to look at because the chargers defense was uh Swiss cheese uh, personnel and what they were running. But I wanted to see how he did in my kind of a good advantageous situation. Mm-hmm. And when I watched him too, is that he looks the part, I, I will say that he looks like an NFL quarterback. He is 6'4, 220. Like he looks like exactly what you picture an NFL quarterback to look like. Um, watching him is that I think he really understands what, and this is probably with continued reps. And this is what he looked at at Stanford too, was that he is very understanding of what's trying to be accomplished. If we're running this play, he know he really shows that I can get to one to two against this coverage and I can do it on a good good timing basis, which is, mm-hmm. which is good. That's a positive sign. The flip side of that, his arm strength is solid. I would say it's in between some of these guys that we've talked about. It's better than Mac Jones, but it's not maybe to the extent of these other guys. Um, and also that he doesn't create at all, like uh, with his legs, he, he, he uh, I like absolutely refused to run the ball. I think it was something like he scrambled, even he scrambled less than like, where I, I know I'm bringing up all these scrambling stuff, but it kind of does matter. I think he, he had something ridiculous. Like he was like four times that he only scrambled. Oh, he scrambled yeah. 10 times, same as Tom Brady. So yeah, he scrambled 10 times the entire year for four for 42 total yards on scrambles. Yeah, I mean, certainly that's not great. <laughs> no, you want to see more for sure. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think he's so interesting because he was like a phenomenal prospect coming out of high school. Like he was Huge. a five-star recruit. And then he only threw 438 attempts at Stanford, part of which was um the shortened season in 2020 because of covid um but like i am always skeptical like when you're a when you have prototypical size prototypical arm strength if you're just like this uber prospect and you get drafted in the third or fourth round it's usually because you're bad at football and you have guys <laughs> who look at you and say okay that guy looks like a quarterback but he's yeah. not actually good at, not good enough to be a first or second round pick like there has to be something to cause you to slip through the cracks either you didn't play enough or you didn't play at you know the right school or you mm-hmm. were you know something has to have happened to cause you to fall and i think with davis mills he only threw 438 pass attempts in college so i mean from what you saw like can you imagine a slightly different universe where he gets more reps and he is good at stanford and he is a first round pick or is it just you know is there something he's missing that that would lead you to think he fell to the third round for a reason like what what happened there yeah i think he had a really bad knee injury um, where he had to get like some serious surgery. And I think that kind of like really hindered him early in his career at Stanford as well. Um, I think that came up his senior of high school and it kind of stuck with him a little bit. He suffered, he suffered a left knee injury in the three, a state championship game against Cedar Grove. Okay. And I think he like reoccurred at Stanford. And so I think that's really where Stanford, uh, it's kind of underrated how, what type of quarterbacks they get, like they get some like big time guys like yeah. every year or two, like four star guys year in, year out. So it's pretty competitive there. And they ask a lot 
from their quarterbacks as far as mentally. They, they I, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have an important quote to read you. Yeah. Uh, Greater Atlanta Christian coach Tim Hardy said the injury, this is referring to Davis Mills' injury, injury did not happen in practice or last week's scrimmage, but from, quote, unquote, doing something stupid, although he did not specify what that was. <laughs> Maybe that NFL team's had a character grade on him because of it. <laughs> Take him off the board. He likes the wakeboard. You know? the, the perfect, the perfect activity I could think of. I had a friend at Wisconsin. He was on the basketball team, and he hurt his wrist uh, uh, tubing on a lake. Oh no! He had to hide it like for like weeks. And he's like, "Yeah, I, I played in. A, I heard in a pickup game." And I remember talking to him. He's like, <laughs> He goes, I don't know much how long, how much longer I can keep this like facade up. <laughs> uh, so that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm not gonna rat him out, but yeah, Wisconsin basketball player from 2008 to 2010. Figure it out. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't let this man tube in peace. Uh, but Mills, anyways. Yeah, I don't even know if it was wakeboarding. Uh, uh, but yeah, with with him, it's. It's yeah, I think that's a little bit of what what it is, is that Mm -hmm. I think some teams knee injuries are going to scare him. And that's maybe why he he ran okay. I think he ran like a four, eight, two or something Mm -hmm. at the combine at the 40 yard dash. So it's not like he's like dragging his leg behind him. Um, So it's I think I think it's just more what teams saw with him was just not a lot of reps to work off of. Like the year that you thought he was going to be the full blown starter was the COVID year. Yeah. And so it's like, okay. And you're kind of squinting. And I think, you know, it's almost like the Billy bean thing, you know, you know, in Moneyball where he's talking about like, stop drafting these guys that look like me. Right. Uh, like I think, you know, Mills got some pub because he, he does look the part and he does have a clean throwing motion and he has good timing and all that stuff. So he does a lot of the quarterbacky things. Mm-hmm. It's just that what is his upside? Um, I would say watching him this year and just getting to the review of this year real quick is that I wish he was more aggressive. Uh, talk about other guys being too aggressive. Um, when they run a lot of high, low concepts, I wish you're on a bad team. They made you the starter. Just whip it in there. Yeah. And, you know, who cares? Trevor did it. Like uh, that, that was the stat I had with Trevor Lawrence was 16 of his 17 interceptions came when they were trailing because mm-hmm. um, he just didn't care at times. Well, not right. didn't care. It was just more, more like, I'm going to try some shit. It, 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 was, was, it was the Phil Rivers. Like, I, yeah. I, I need to take a shot. We're I need to take, take a shot. It, it happens. Then quarterback, like good quarterbacks do that. And so I think with Mills, it was like, okay, like crank it up a little bit. So that was that's where I think the improvement can have with him is be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Be You're the guy. They're going to give you a chance. Try some of this shit. Try to see if you can squeeze something in there. Push the ball down the field. Scramble a little bit and get a first down. So I think that's where his room for improvement can happen. Yeah, I mean that makes total sense. And and is there like a level of play you think he has to hit to keep this job now that he has the opportunity to, you know, uh, certainly at least start twenty twenty two as the unquestioned starter in Houston? Man, I think, I think playing to average. If he can get to kind of that average-ish quarterback, like a top 20 quarterback, it'd be that would be a really hard discussion for what the Texans would have to do. Because next year's class does have some decent players uh, at the quarterback spot. Um, and they're, they're completely different flavors than Davis Mills too, which is right. funny. Um, so I, I, I would, he has to be, I, he would have to show to be average, not squinting and going like, oh, there's some good play like we did as a rookie, but like tangible, consistent, they play some better teams and he's actually making plays and like getting them into good positions. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what you have to see is how he does against good competition. Because if it's squinting and he's just beating up on bad teams, 
then it's like, do we really want to be stuck with that? Or do we want a guy that's going to like win us games just on his own? So I think that's really what they're going to have to determine. Yeah. So Nate, if people want to check out your thoughts on this class in written form, where can they do that? They can do it on the athletic. Uh, yeah. Nate Tice, not Nathan. It's, it got fixed to Nate. I, I don't have a pen name. Uh, Nate Tice. Yeah. Just look it up. Uh, it came out today the, on the second year QBs. I also, if you're curious about next year's QB class, I wrote something recently on the 2023 QB class. It's a very interesting one. Um, but yeah, you can also find me on Twitter, Nate underscore Tice, or you can find me at the double or nothing AEW pay-per-view on Sunday. I'm about the 10th row to the right. So yeah, check me out. If, if you see any really tall person, just go up to them and ask them if they're Nate Tice. Chances are you have found our friend Nate. But Wearing an FTR shirt. That's that. Yeah. Support, supporting old school. Wrestling. I'm not shaving. So to get into a wrestling fan, you know, persona, <laughs> that's no. my neck beard. looks great. Tremendous. <laughs> I just slandered half my fans. Yeah. <laughs> you slandered exclusively the people who might go up to you and say hello at that show. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, but I, I'm very excited for that. But yeah, thanks, Bill. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. All right. Thanks so much to my buddy, Nate Tice. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I love talking football with Nate. Go up to him if you see him at the Double or Nothing show this Sunday. Uh, if you see him, please say hello. Nate's a great guy. Uh, we have raw audio coming next week. We'll have more NFL analysis. Trying to hit some sort of bigger picture stuff. Trying to hit some you know, 2021 review before we get to the 2022 preview stuff, which we'll get probably later in June and into July. So I hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, I have some stuff up today uh, and next week at ESPN on my off-season ranking. Sure, nobody will complain about those, but more written stuff and more audio on the way.